When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, there's no special guest, but we're still rocking and rolling with a lot of Vandy boys talk, as well as some basketball talk with Vanderbilt facing off with Tennessee tomorrow night at 8 o'clock on the SEC Network. That will be inside Memorial Gym. Vanderbilt's struggles have continued, especially defensively, but can they right their wrongs tomorrow night? We discuss as Vanderbilt takes on Tennessee tomorrow night, but also... How about Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter for the Vandy Boys? Two of the best pitchers in the nation are Vandy Boys 1-2 for head coach Tim Corbin. We'll talk about that and much more coming right up here on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Let's ride. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor. Down. Welcome back inside the door report. It is episode 72 on a Tuesday, February 23rd, 2021. We are as always presented by the great folks at Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Well, it's it, I think it's been another week since we since we've been together for the door port uh, again with football season over and basketball uh, starting to kind of wind down. We you know, we haven't had a ton to talk about, but especially with Clark Lee, not uh, not hiring any more coaches. There's there's not many, uh, many things else to talk about. But, Will, uh, we do have a little bit of talk about in terms of basketball and how about the start to the season for the Vandy boys? I mean, that was that was insane. Yeah, it's nice to see a Vanderbilt team come out and perform up to expectations and actually come out and see a win in the win column. We haven't <laughs> seen many of those between football and basketball, so yeah. I'm always going to enjoy that, even if it is early season uh, college baseball. Yeah, it was encouraging. Not know, I don't know how many people are actually watching these early season college baseball games, but it was encouraging to see a victory um, You know, just in that column. They won 14-1 to in game one and then 1-0 to in game two, so the bats slowed down a little bit. We'll touch on baseball a little bit later, but we will also – uh, touch on the loss to Alabama this past weekend on the hardwood. Dylan DeSouza was named SEC Player of the Week. We'll touch on him, and we'll preview Vanderbilt and Tennessee. They tip off tomorrow night in Memorial Gym, and again, we will close out with baseball. But before we get to breaking news, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, go give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. It's now time for breaking news. Today's breaking news is brought to you by the Recycling Dudes. You may ask, who are the Recycling Dudes? Well, they're brothers Graydon and Chapman and their dad. Drew Smith, who is a Metro Nashville firefighter living in West Mead. The Recycling Dudes recognize the need for a service that would take glass to the recycling for busy homeowners who care about our environment. They pick up your glass, separate it, and take it to be recycled. They offer monthly service as well as one-time party pickup, starting as low as $10 per month. All you have to do is sign up on their website at RecyclingDudes.com. All right, Will, Vanderbilt, Alabama. This was an 
a surprisingly close game kind of throughout. Um, it, it was one of those games where Vanderbilt shot the ball really well and, and, and they defended um, to a level where they would stay in striking distance, but they never took control of the game. There was never a point in the game where you felt like Vanderbilt was going to kind of run away with it or, or even take that lead that they needed to. Um, but, well, it's kind of the same story. Uh, these past six, seven, even eight games have been all by, a, I think, combined 30 points or something like that um, and, and, you know, all within five points. So they're right there. But at this point, you know, I think a lot of Vanderbilt fans are, are I don't think they're happy with these moral victories. Um, you know, they got to find a way to change that trajectory late in the game. Will, how do they do that? Because, you know, it doesn't get any easier from here on out in the SEC. Yeah, you ask me how they do that. I think if I knew the answer to that, I wouldn't be doing this <laughs> podcast. I'd probably be coaching Division One in college basketball. But it, it, we're always we were talking about it before we started recording this podcast and we were talking about that we seem to be high, harping on the same things and it feels like we don't want to spend much time with basketball but because we're saying the same things over and over but I feel like this is a nice place for Vanderbilt fans to come and listen to and be like that's exactly what I'm thinking and just vent yeah. a little bit so yeah. but when you go through it and look Chad Bishop actually tweeted out that uh-huh. uh, seven of ten as seven of the ten SEC losses for this Vanderbilt team have been by a combined 30 points 4.3 points per game and that just goes to the fact of of that this team just doesn't know how to win and basketball is a fluid game there's not these segmented offensive defensive changes like i've said before and at the end of games there's just no part of me i was we were watching that alabama game and i was thinking there was a zero percent of zero percent of my body thought that they were going to win that game they were up three points with under six minutes left and i was I I I, i thought they had a shot I, I'm not saying, you know, I don't know about 0%, but I wanted to be, I wanted to be proven wrong. I wanted to be proven wrong, but I was sitting in the car. I wasn't excited. I wasn't down when Alabama hit a shot. I wasn't up when Vanderbilt hit a shot because I knew this team was going to fall apart. You and knew that's exactly pretty, what was going to happen. It's a very pessimistic view, but when you've seen it week in over and over and over and over, I mean, you're going to probably have that mindset and that's not a great mindset as a fan, but it's where we are. And to get over that hump, I don't know what what it is they they miss free throws late and you look back through it at their previous six games or, or their previous uh, five losses and you look at 82 78 82 78 loss 73 67 loss 73 70 loss 78 71 loss um and you just can't point to one exact thing and billy you mentioned that their defense was good enough but um, their defense really wasn't any good. It, it wasn't. If you, I watched the whole game. The defense was terrible. They were leaving wide open Alabama shooters. They should have lost that game by 40. And Alabama was ice Alabama cold. did not shoot the ball well. They, they were really- ice cold. And Vanderbilt really lost this game in the stretch in the first half when Alabama came out and was extremely cold. And they were, they were uh-huh. shooting wide open threes, missing them. And Vanderbilt didn't capitalize on that. And they were up three or five or six, or it was a tie game. And you look at that point and you say that's when you have to step on that team, build up a 15, 20-point lead, and then Alabama is going to chip away and hopefully you can hold on and maintain that lead against a superiorly talented team. And I think it was uh, the announcers were quoting Nate Oates, the coach for Alabama, and they said that a quote from him was, you're going to have two games out of the year that you're going to suck it up and two games out of the year that you play out of your mind. And he said, it's what you do in between those games. And and they commented during the game, they said, this is one of Alabama's games where they're sucking it up. And they still came out of there with a victory. And that's just Vanderbilt not capitalizing on those opportunities. Like, 
game in, game out, same yep. thing we harp on. And then once again, they had scoring stretches and scoring droughts. And even with the emergence of Dylan DeSue and Max Evans, those still seem to be a persistent problem. Yeah, and and Alabama is the best team in the league. You know, I I think we we forget about that, but they really struggled. Mm-hmm. And this was a chance, another golden opportunity for Vanderbilt to take advantage of it and and try to get a victory and get some momentum. But they just have not been able to capitalize on any momentum they've had this season. And will I want to kind of look at the last five games? You kind of touched on it. But at Georgia, 73-70 loss. Versus Auburn at home, 73-67 loss. And then at Mississippi State, they dominate. They win 72-51. And then at home against Kentucky, 82-78 loss. Alabama, 82-78 loss. You know, I, I, I'm with you, Will. I, I don't know. I don't have the answers. But I do think in that Mississippi State game, not only did they shoot the ball well, but they were moving the ball well. They were they were having they had a large amount of assists. And with this team is is usually having success, it comes pippin to Dessue, either a lob or a pick and roll. Or, you know, but a lot of times you look at this team and they're playing isolation ball. It's Jordan Wright trying to trying to drive in, Pippen trying to penetrate. And I love Scotty Pippen penetrating, but I think Will when this team, I'm not I'm not saying this is a definite answer of changing this around, but when this team is is having success, I think they're they're penetrating, kicking, making an extra pass, and and knocking down shots. Now we'll see how what, if that changes. But again, I, I don't even think Coach Stackhouse fully knows, you know, what what to, how to work with this team and how to maneuver the, these lineups because at this point in the season, will it's kind of make or break. I mean, you're two and ten in the league. Last season, you won three SEC games. This is make or break right now. That's why I'm still watching this team. <laughs> that- yeah, I'm, I'm still watching. They're actually pretty enjoyable to watch. There's talent on this roster. It's yeah. not like you're looking at a team and saying you have a bunch of scrubs. I mean, you've probably got and, two guys. And they've that- gotten better, I will say. Mm-hmm. They, they have and you improved. had no Cleavon Brown against Alabama, yeah. which uh, which I we put out on the door report and said that a healthy Cleavon Brown, the importance of yeah. that cannot be overstated. Not yeah. having him in that game, there were multiple times where Alabama pulled two, three offensive rebounds. Mm-hmm wouldn't happen if he was in the game so I don't know how you can obviously see improvement and that's where I want to say that I'm not a moral victory person but you can see the difference in 2019 Vanderbilt basketball versus yeah. or 2019-2020 versus 2020-2021 Vanderbilt basketball is a better product is that tra- is that translating to wins in the win column no it's not but you can see the steps that they're taking now all of those steps are going to be a completely moot point if Scotty Pippen leaves for the NBA and you built this mm-hmm. entire offense around a point guard that can run the pick and roll really efficiently, and then all of a sudden he's gone. Um, but Isaac McBride has actually been playing a lot better. He has, um, yeah. Dylan DeSue has been uh, playing out of his mind. I mean, he's been playing how we thought he could play at his peak potential, and he's yep. he's catching the eyes of, of some people around the country, and obviously uh-huh. with the SEC Player of the Week honors. Mm-hmm. Max Evans seems to be out of his slump. He seems to be shooting the ball a lot better. He's a guy that can knock down an open shot. But once again, we're just going to keep going back to this guy. The reason this team is 2-10, I hate putting it all on one guy. The reason this team is 2-10 is they brought in DJ Harvey to be the guy to be the secondary scorer, and he's been bad. He's been a complete non-factor. He has not contributed on the offensive end of the ball. He's slow-footed on the defensive end, and he doesn't contribute. And that's a guy you were looking to before this season, saying he's going to be right up there with Pippen leading this team on offense. And they've had to completely kind of revamp their whole offensive yeah. philosophy because of it. But a look that they showed in that Alabama game, even against the running gun Alabama team that's second to only Coppin State in the entire country <laughs> um, in tempo and, and length of offensive possession, 
is they sped them up with that three-quarter court kind of trapping matchup zone um, that, that Stackhouse seems to be implementing. And that seems to be really, really effective as of late. That, that defense as opposed to just straight-up man-to-man because they're not a great defending team. They don't have a lot. Of, they don't have a ton of shot blockers down low. But that matchup zone seems to be really effective. Now, where they struggle with that is then rebounding because there's nothing harder than rebounding out of a zone, putting a body on a man in that zone. So we'll see how that progresses. But right now, I would say Vanderbilt's trending up, but there's nothing harder than transitioning from a competitive team to a winning team. Yeah, And we'll see if Stackhouse is able to do that. Yeah, and it's all, like you mentioned a little bit earlier, well, it's going to hinge on if Pippen stays. You know, does DeSue stay? Does Harvey decide to come back? And if a lot of those guys decide to come back, it will be a lot different story because of the experience this season. And you will not have that excuse of this being a young team anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And, well, I do want to touch on Tennessee, though. Tomorrow night, uh, it is an 8.30 Eight o'clock tip off actually in Nashville. Uh, Tennessee is ranked 25th. They are still in the top 25, 15 and six, eight and six in the conference. Really difficult team to figure out this season. Uh, You know, they have played really well at times, but when they've played bad, it's been really bad. Uh, So this is another opportunity for Vanderbilt. And you look at, Will, you look at Saturday's games. Tennessee got mauled by Kentucky. And Vanderbilt, they're competing with the best team of the SEC, Alabama. So the trajectory of these two teams, Tennessee going down, Vanderbilt going up. But again, I don't know. Like, I don't know with this Tennessee team, um, you know, do they, are they playing pissed off in, in Memorial Gym? They probably will be. <laughs> but, you know, again, I think, I think it's going to be a closer game uh, than last time. And I think Vanderbilt is really going to, like you said, Will, earlier, stick with that three-quarter court press. But, you know, again, if they're getting hounded by that, if they're getting depleted, they will drop back. But again, this is another huge matchup for Vanderbilt. Again, if they can get this one, Will, how much momentum will that give them? Because they're being an in-state rival if, if, if they do. Yeah, the, with college basketball this year, with the lack of out-of-conference games, it's hard to get a read on teams anyway. And I think yeah. the SEC is pretty down this year, in all honesty. There's talent, but there's not really any teams that you look at and say that is the team. Even Alabama is really good. I wouldn't say they're up there to the level of Tennessee team, uh, Tennessee team like last year, the previous year, a no. usual Kentucky no. team. And you have all of these different teams that night in, night out look completely different. I mean, you look at LSU, Missouri, Georgia, Tennessee. You just even never Vanderbilt. know what you're going to get. Yeah. Um, so you look at – we're pretty much leading the SEC tournament. You know Vanderbilt's going to be in that initial first round, first two games, playing games. And I think a lot of teams would be really happy to see Vanderbilt put out in that first game. And that's just because of their style of play. And if they get hot, they can beat and compete with anybody. They can also get blown out by 30 by anybody. So that's a pretty dangerous thing and a pretty frustrating (laughs) thing when you're a fan. But Tennessee's the same way. Um, Vanderbilt caught them on the upswing last time, lost by 20. I think this will be a lot more competitive. Tennessee seems to be kind of on a downward trend. Yeah. And where they've really struggled is offensive consistency. I mean, they can't, and that seems to be a another pandemic within the state of Tennessee is offensive <laughs> consistency for their basketball teams because that's what Vanderbilt's been struggling except, with. Except for Belmont. Growth. Yeah, except for <laughs> Belmont. If you want to watch some good, consistent basketball in the state a of winning Tennessee, team. Yeah. watch the Belmont Bruins. It's they ridiculous, are man. But they're coming off that 15-point loss to Kentucky, who obviously Kentucky's extremely talented. I mean, a bunch of five-star guys that just haven't played up to that potential. But Tennessee has that too um, yeah. under Rick Barnes. So we'll see. I couldn't tell you if this game is going to be a 25-point blowout um, and Vanderbilt's just going to get run out of the gym or if it's going to go down to the wire. 
because um, yeah. you never know what Vanderbilt team you're going to get. You never know what Tennessee team you're going to get. So a lot of mysteries to be unwrapped. Yeah, I'll, I'll say I'll say I'm not going to be betting on this one. I don't think you are either, <laughs> <laughs> because this is a difficult one to read, like a lot of Vanderbilt games are. I mean, you, you mm-hmm. really never know, especially in basketball in general this season. So again, tip off tomorrow night, eight o'clock in Memorial Gym. Uh, that is on the SEC network as well. So we're looking forward to that one. Well, to close things out, let's talk a little baseball. Um, and and I like hearing the uh, script. You just go, wow. <laughs> I mean, this team is <laughs> is is basically, uh, you look at it, you got the two best pitchers in the country by far, and you are there. It, it's Kumar Rocker at the one, Lighter at the two. Uh, and then, you know, who knows? You can throw anyone in there at the three, and you'll still have the best pitching staff in the country. Um but will this team, the way they the way they blew out Wright State easily, fourteen to one, there was a sequence in that game where Isaiah Thomas hit an absolute tank, and then the next batter, Tim Corbin, with a lot of speed, he has Enrique Bradfield Jr., a freshman, little Tony Kemp type of guy. We'll, we'll keep an eye on him. Lays a bunt down right after an absolute bomb, and then gets on base. So that see, and then he moves over to second um, off another sacrifice. So that sequence there uh, by Tim Corbin just kind of welcomed us back to the Vandy boys and said, "Here we are. They're here uh, and they're back." So it's it just feels good, Will, as we talked about, to have Vandy, the Vandy boys back and and Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter. I feel really confident going into a regional, going into a super regional, and then going into Omaha and saying, "Hey, we got the two best arms in the nation. You're not beating us. All we have to do is put up." two, maybe three runs, and we beat you. So th- this team's going to be one of the hardest teams in the country to beat, I think. Yeah, how in, how in the world, Billy, is this team the number three team in the country? I, no I don't idea. understand that. I understand there's a ton of talent in college baseball this year with guys being eligible again. but Just, just wait a couple three? weeks. Couple weeks. Just, it doesn't make any sense to me. But when you look at what was so impressive, I mean, you look at this pitching staff, and it's just it, it's almost unhittable. It's almost unfair. And uh, Danny Vietti, a writer for CBS Sports MLB, uh, tweeted out Vanderbilt baseball yeah. is basically a double-A minor league team. Stupid, ridiculous talent. Pretty much. And that, that's pretty much the sum <laughs> of it. I mean, it is a, a level of a double-A professional baseball team. And the staff combined for a .5 ERA and Wright State hit 113. Yeah. Um, and you hear Wright State, and probably a lot of Vanderbilt fans will be like, whatever, kind of small, out of, and you never really can get a read on those teams. But last year, Wright State was 42 and 17. It's a pretty yeah. damn good team. They were a good Vanderbilt team. Kind of, kind of made look silly, um, especially in that first game. And, and opening game of the year, you never really know what's going to happen. You have a lot of nerves. It's been a long layover. And then the Nashville Ice Storm decided it really didn't want Vanderbilt baseball to open up on time. But fortunately, they were able to play that doubleheader and man. That Kumar Rocker guy, he I think he's gonna be pretty good. Yeah, he might I, be somebody that we might want to keep an eye on. Yeah, not not bad. Year. I mean, he looks he looks pretty good size. Like he's he's like six five. Two, I think he's got some decent potential. Yeah, maybe Clark maybe. Lee could use him on the football team too. Yeah. But um, yeah, we'll keep an eye on Kumar Rocker. Um, but he he had four innings pitched, one hit, three walks, eight strikeouts, and he only threw sixty seven pitches in that first game. And then Jack Leiter, you move over at his box score, five innings pitched, one hit eight strikeouts and through 69 pitches. So, and Jack Leiter is, is a guy obviously with his dad, Al, Al Leiter being a, a tremendous pitcher runs in the family and, and coach Corbin, uh, he said he thought that was the best he's seen from Jack Leiter, at least in his time here. He was bumping 98, 99, 100 
uh, in that first inning. So it's just scary. I mean, that, that's it's really difficult to to even you know set, get your mind ready because he was he's a quick worker too. He's kind of like Carson Vollmer um, in, in that regard. But but Vanderbilt uh, Vanderbilt hit the ball well. Isaiah Thomas had a bomb. Take Colwick, Jason Gonzalez. They led the charge in Game One. Uh, but well, that's going to be a key, I think, this year, figuring out who the big bats will be, uh, because I think a, Van, a lot of Vanderbilt fans are, are still trying to get familiar with this team offensively. Uh, you know, especially a couple of years ago, you had guys like Ethan Paul, Julian Infante, Harrison Ray, who were just you know such such familiar faces and such familiar uh, figures, but. With this team not playing last season, it's it's it was tough, uh, and I think it has been tough for Vanderbilt fans to to wrap their you know their their fandom around this team. But I don't think it's going to take long. This Enrique Bradfield Jr. kid uh, is really good, really fast, and I think he's going to be a, a Tony Kemp type of guy. So we'll again Vanderbilt. We'll see. They they play again on. Uh, it looks like they'll play again on Wednesday against Western Kentucky. So uh, again, we'll keep track of that, but. It's going to be interesting, Will. I think yeah. this team is 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 really, like I said, once they get into regional play, who wants to play them? I mean, there's no other pitching staff like that one. You know, it, it is. It's going to all hinge on the on the bats. It really yeah, is. I do. I do want to say the thing that we always temper expectations. It seems like we go through the same cycle. It's kind of like watching Kentucky basketball. Yeah. It'll be, and this year it didn't work out for Kentucky, but my point still stands here is every single year we sit there and say, what's wrong with Kentucky? Why are they dropping these early wow. games? Why are they losing? And then Calipari kind of figures out how the talent meshes together and is able to combine them. It just happened a little late this year because they didn't have as many out-of-conference games in basketball. But Tim Corbin does the same thing to a more calculated extent. He's going to mix up lineups. He's not going to have the same batting order in there. He's not necessarily going to have his best guys every yeah. single game in game out in these out of conference mm -hmm. early season uh, games here so keep in mind that Vanderbilt will probably drop a few games they're not going to run the table no so I, I just every year I see on Twitter guys starting to say we just don't have the bats the, the you know the hitting's not there yeah it's not crisp and I'm just like just yeah, hold on hold, hold your on. horses hold off he, you're messing with some things Corbin knows what he's doing yeah he's got um, it so, so just keep a level head they're yeah. gonna drop a few of these midweek games that you don't expect them to drop I but think, when Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter are scheduled to be pitching on the mound, man, I don't. I, it's going to be hard to see them dropping a game when it's, those guys get the get the go ahead. It really is going to be hard to to bet against them. I don't even know if you can bet on college baseball, but uh, we'll figure that out a little bit later. But again, Will, it, it is going to be interesting. I think this team, pitching wise, is one of the best up there in in baseball history. Hitting wise, we'll see if they can figure it out. Again, we'll see what they can do. Uh, but take Colwick, Jason Gonzalez, Enrique Bradfield Jr. Um, you know, even Cooper Jones, Cooper Jones actually got uh, nailed. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll try to we'll try to keep keep track of him, see how how healthy he is. But but well, that that does it here again. A quick episode uh, coming up here in later in this week. We're going to hope to have Max Hers on the podcast. Uh, talk a little Vandy boys baseball and uh, also another special guest, uh, maybe in a couple weeks that we'll, we'll keep an eye on. But uh, for myself, Billy, Derek, and Will Byram, you've been listening to episode 72 of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on.